Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff that's just been on our minds for quite a long time. We feel like the rest of you, overwhelmed and... Uh... It's true. <laughs> there, there's just there's just so much going on in the world. So we're going to try to pare all of this stuff down in the next 40 minutes or so. So we're going to start out with um, the the elephant in the world's room, uh, and that is uh, the, the pandemic, because it is worse now than it was months ago. And there's there's part of our communities that either they still don't get it or they just don't care now because yeah. they, they are willing to risk, uh, you know, the, the, the whole idea that, OK, there's still people who don't want to uh, uh, vaccinate. There, I, I watched a CBS report on a CBS uh, national news in uh, Louisiana. They had two different patients in the largest hospital in Louisiana, in Baton Rouge. Where one lady had not been vaccinated, she thought it wasn't that big a deal. She was worried about, you know, that it hadn't been proven and all of this stuff. And then she got so sick that she had to go to the hospital and it just hit her like a truck. And so now she's, you know, she's had this change of heart when all of, you know, everything in the world told her that it should have been this way in the first place. And then they had another guy who was as bad or worse than her. And he still, he, and the guy asked him, the reporter asks him, so now that you've had this terrible experience and you've been in the hospital for uh, you know a couple of weeks, would you uh, take the vaccine? He says, no. If you had it to do over again, would you take it? He says, no, I wouldn't. I don't trust the government. This guy in the he's in the hospital. Under, under, yeah, I mean, I, I get it, and, and I and I've heard. So we've heard so many of these stories lately, and I feel like we all have COVID fatigue, right? We all, everyone is just tired of talking about it, tired yeah. of fighting about it, tired of dealing with it, tired of being afraid of it. Um, I mean, who's, I, see, I'm you not know, even that afraid of it. Well, I just know a, that you know, I could try to do my afraid. Do what I can like, do not is to this, be sick? Yeah, but I like I'm going on a trip to Greece. My husband, I bought my husband this for his birthday. Uh, he hasn't. He never takes trips. He never does anything fun. So he's a work, work, work guy. <laughs> And I'm like, this, he's going to have some fun. We're going to, and we planned this thing. And now COVID spiking in Greece and, and, and and the European union is saying they don't want Americans because of our spikes here. We're leading the world in COVID, new COVID infections every day. We're number one. We are number one. And so I feel like the fear is like, I want to go on this trip. I am afraid that I'm going to get COVID the day before I go and I can't go. Right. The, The thing I fear is that the life 
just living life like, oh, I'd love to go to a play with my friend or I'd love to go to the movies with my daughter. My daughter, who is vaccinated, tested positive a week ago. It happens. Um, Yeah. And so then I'm thinking to myself and I went to the gym with her four days earlier and I wore a mask most of that time. And everyone was like, I'm the only person in the gym with a mask. And everyone thought, oh, this is overkill or whatever. I can't tell you how sorry I was that I took it off when we did weights, because if I'd kept it on during the weights, I wouldn't have had any. I had no symptoms. I wouldn't have worried about it. But because of this grease trip, I went and got tested. I was ne- I'm negative. But, you know, I think the fear is just that you that I'm afraid there is no more normal life. Like what we think of as normal, what we think of as like even watching a football game. All I think of is super spreader event, <laughs> you know. I don't feel comfortable going and sitting. I we went to a baseball game on. But if you wear a mask, Amy, you can prevent much of that. Sure. See, this is what I. I but don't. I want to go on a trip, so if I don't have anything, so planned, wear the mask all the time. Yeah, but if I, but well, but we don't. It's not the mask protects me from infecting others. The mo, let's be clear and about it the mask. You from getting sick. But the masks, no, it does. The mask science is unless I wear N95. If I just wear this mask I have right here that you see me wearing all the time, you got a vaccine. Twenty five percent. Again, we're ta- we're playing odds, and when you have this lo- trip, well, the of odds lifetime, are that you not go get COVID at all. Yeah, well, well, that you won't have you won't have it. It won't be serious illness. You're right. gonna. I think it's gonna. Well, no, run. I, okay. The Look, odds are you're eventually if, gonna. If we yeah. if we go, I've never had the flu, so I, I, like I just, the real I'm influenza. I have never had the flu. The re- I'm, actual I'm flu. 50, 50, almost fifty six. Yeah, and so Do you get a flu shot. I'm saying yes. Okay, but I don't. I only started doing yeah. that when I moved here. Oh, I never okay. got the flu before in Chica- in Chicago, right? Where everybody's just <laughs> spitting said, on you. Yeah. you know? yeah, or maybe you're right. So I don't my only know. point is I mean, that I can't it's think- not that easy yeah. to get COVID to begin with. And if you practice, you are one of the safest people I know. You wore a mask in here. I know. and I so Well, I do you, that because do I have that. this trip coming up and I don't want to miss out on my trip. But so you that, did that even before. I, no, and I but I think the thing about the masking and a lot of the COVID precautions, some of it is protect yourself, right? Mm. That's a, a thing people want to do. Somebody likened it to this. They said... it. It was like asking people to go and tend someone else's garden. We were asked to wear a mask to protect the most vulnerable people in our communities. Mm -hmm. Wear a mask because that protects other people. Because the reason you wear a mask is to keep your spit and and aerosols, whatever your viruses are, away from other people. It's most of the masks that are used, except the N95, um, are not – they cut down, like you say, on the possibility. But they're not – that's not their job. That's not what they were designed for. It's not 100%. So, um, in, in, and this gentleman said, we were asked to tend someone else's garden. And all that does is when you go over to your neighbor's house and you're tending their garden, pulling weeds, is thinking, I hope that guy's doing the same in, from, for me that I'm doing for him, you know, pulling these weeds and making sure this garden is getting watered every day. Like, it breeds a little bit of resentment when you see your neighbor not doing, like, you go home and look at your garden. And, and again, this is COVID. When I see people, you know... Going to Disney World and, you know, sitting on crowded buses and not wearing masks and stuff. I I feel I do feel some resentment like they're moving on. They're doing whatever. And I'm still here trying to be careful. OK, so can I. Yeah. My, my uh, response to that is, again, if I if I tend your garden for you, mm-hmm. I'm doing that for me, not for you. So, you are. So, yeah. so what I'm saying is rather. So I don't feel resentment if you don't do, tend it because I'm going back and doing mine, too. I'm not going to have weeds in my in my well, garden. But in and, this and, and case, still. you so, can't 
You can't you can protect. Do both. No, but you can't protect vulnerable people from irresponsible other people. No, no, no. I, I get that. But See I what I mean? Like, like but I, I can't save the, the world. I yeah. can't save the world. I understand. All I can do is do what but I can do. But the thing, and, and I think that's where we're at. Like, one of the reasons we wanted to have this these discussions, the things we're going to talk to you in these next four segments about is that everyone feels overwhelmed. There's so much going on. There's... Uh, this giant infrastructure package is it or isn't it going to pass the budget deadline? And that's a huge uh, deal, by the way. Voting rights acts will yeah. it will it pass? Abortion uh, laws, abortion laws being overturned, Afghanistan withdrawal. Yeah. Uh, you know, thirteen um, soldiers killed in the line of duty, including one from Utah. Um, Health care issues. There's you know that we've that we have immigration issues that we're not talking about, but are still not resolved. You know, um, and now we have uh, what I at last I read was one hundred and ten thousand. Um, special immigrant visa people right. being processed, trying to, come here, right. trying to figure out how yeah. to restart their lives here. I mean, there's so. And then let's talk about Ida and all oh, right, the, the New York. Yeah, I mean, this, the yes. the Ida and the, Louisiana, and and then California's on fire. So, right. so we look around, and and I said to Jason, let's just talk. Let's kind of break down a few things. The first one for me is the COVID thing. There's so much you go. You, all I see on my newsfeed is. And that's social media and in the news is people arguing at school board meetings about mask mandates, people arguing in city council meeting, um, a superintendent in my mom and dad's in my mom, dad's community was said, I believe the science. I think we should have mask mandates, but I don't dare because I get death threats. Um, school board members are saying, why did I sign up for this job? I'm getting death, death threats. threats over a mask mandate. Yes. And so the insanity is God bless like America. all of And here's the other thing. People are taking a dewormer that they know nothing about that's that's man- manufactured Thanks, Joe by, Rogan. that's fat manufactured by Merck. Uh let's look at look up what Merck what medicines Merck makes, right? And the side effects are unreal and I'm thinking you'll take and, and I thought this about Joe Rogan. I watched his video and Joe I Joe Rogan is a very popular he has the most popular podcast po- yeah. in the world. I mean he got signed for a hundred million dollars. That's right. That's and he yeah. is Anti-vaccine. He, he's not a. He says he's, he's not, not anti-vax, but he said he doesn't trust this vaccine. And he's a comedian. Yeah, he and, and he's you kind know, of funny too. And much. he is entertaining. I, you know, and I, he's, if you ever watch UFC, he is a great commentator. He's a great commentator. No, he's a talented guy, and and that and I think that he's got it wrong in this. The case. frustration for me has been that he has given comfort to people who. Yeah. Just don't know anything, but want to say they know. So people are saying, "Well, I'm going to do. I'm going to take vitamins. I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to take this dewormer." And I'm thinking to myself, "You'll take. You know nothing more about right. any of those things than the vaccine." But somehow, because the vaccine, and and the thing that I can't get over, Jason, that I always get stuck on is Donald Trump made this vaccination, made this vaccine process possible. His administration. And warp Project Warp Speed. That's the reason we have this and miracle. He, Donald Trump dumped told, in the money. He told his audience to take the vaccine, and they booed him. And they booed him. And he's been vaccinated. And, he, and you well, want to know? As you hear about these people who've been railing against vaccinations, um, they get sick, and they're very sick, or they're dying. Um, you will notice some people who are noticeably absent, Tucker, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, those kind of guys. They're not, um, you hurt me. they're not being sick, right? And that's because they're vaccinated. Of course. When we come back, we've got to continue because there's just so much. Yeah. We, we got, we're just getting started. Uh, Amy D., Jason Lee, Voices of Reason. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. 
And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. back with Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee and uh, Amy Donaldson. So we want to continue real quick on this uh, one last thing, uh, talking about uh, the, just kind of the, the, the way the pandemic is impacting our, our, our lives still, and yeah. it's going to for the foreseeable future. So when we talk about uh, COVID fatigue, I don't, I don't mind talking about it. I don't love talking about it all the time because to me, it's just part of my life now. Yeah. And just like, you know, there are people who are going to do the right thing. There are going to be plenty of people who are going to do the wrong thing. The only thing I do hate about this is that people are so angry and there's these people on the far ends. Again, like this is this is how America operates, right? There's 10 percent on each end that are just kind of crazy and they're trying to uh, impose their will on you. And if you don't, then you're you're a terrible person one way or the other. I I wish that uh, we could just become more civilized, learn to live with it the way we live with it, do the best we can to serve Mm -hmm. ourselves and our community. Yeah. And and that looks different for different people. Yeah. And so I, I just I hate that we're so angry. I, yeah. I really do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think for me, the thing that bothers me most about this, where we're at right now with the pandemic and society is that healthcare workers are leaving um, yeah. a profession that they love, that they worked really hard to establish themselves in. And it's just They're not overworked. It. It's, it's not just that they cannot watch people die yeah. at this rate. They cannot take care of critically. They sick can't watch them die people. when they can prevent it. Yeah. Preventable death. But I but I think also just death. I don't care if you're expecting it. I took care of my grandmother till she died. And, and she was she'd had a heart attack and a stroke. And it wasn't completely out of the realm of possibility that she wouldn't make it. Mm. And I uh, it's still very, very difficult. The hole that that leaves in a family, in a community, in society Every single time. And there's over 600,000 of these deaths now. And we're never going to reach the level of death that we had before the vaccinations. But with this breakthrough and new variants and and there will be other variants. There's going to be a new variant every year. Yeah. And so I'm thinking to myself, what does normal look like? When will I, you know, and I've just decided masks are part of my future for the foreseeable future and I'm going to be okay with it. And especially if you travel. Yes. And I just think like you do, like I have to do what I have to do. But this idea that you know, we're, we can bully each other into doing what we right. want and that, and we're so it. angry. I, I just feel sad about that. But, you know, then we switched to politics, you know, political <laughs> stuff. So I, I woke up, I couldn't sleep the other night and I got up at like four in the morning and I woke up to this Supreme Court. I don't even understand what oh, they yeah. did. Let me be honest and say that they allowed this Texas abortion law to go into effect, which is the strictest abortion law Really, yeah. ever uh, passed by a state legislature, but 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 they did so, and when they did it, they said we're not commenting on its constitutionality. How does that? That's their job. How do? That's all you get to do. Right. That's their job. You're the Supreme Court. You get to say this is constitutional or it's not, or we don't want to talk about it. You know, we don't take the case. But they took the case and said we are going to allow it to go into effect. But we're not commenting on the constitutionality of the law so people can challenge the constitutionality. It's bizarre. I don't right. get they it. They could stop it from even going into law and, in, and prevent and the previously, whole previously, there are laws like this in other states that, that were just sta- And they've said, you know, we the constitutionality of that has to be established first. So we have to challenge it. It's in violation of Roe v. Wade. So basically what... The, 
you know, and um, I think uh, Justice Sotomayor actually said what you've actually done is overturn Roe v. Wade because yep. you're uh, you're saying now we're going to let this go into effect. And I I don't know. I don't I don't know how you say now you're not making a comment on its constitutionality. But let's be clear about what the law allows. And that is that it outlaws abortion after six weeks, six weeks when people and, don't even, don't even know they're pregnant. And doesn't even give an, an exception for rape or incest or the mother's health. So, and I want to be. What re- is with Texas? I, I don't, I don't even understand that. I'm how, sorry. How do the people of Texas think that that's okay? And I recognize it's the Bible Belt, right? Mm-hmm. But in in a civil society, you cannot tell me that that is the most oppressive, uh, anti-woman, mm-hmm. anti-human rights, anti-individual uh, liberty law I have ever heard of. No, I I actually someone listed off some law some recent laws that have passed in Texas and. They greatly restricted voting. You're not allowed to drop your ballot off now, or in these in these drop boxes. Um, there's some horrifically uh, restrictive voting restrictions, and then they have this, and and they also have banned teachers from talking about race, and and I mean, I think they've banned like Cesar Chavez, Martin Luther King Jr., really like non-controversial people at the, at this point in our history, in my opinion. Like you're not talking about. You know, um, maybe Harvey Milk still might be controversial, LGBTQ advocate, mm-hmm. right? So, but yeah, they, these to me are not controversial people at this point. Um, so yeah, they're not. Someone said they are not allowed to read the "I Have a Dream" speech. I mean, it's a holiday that you. I mean, you you can't get away from it now. People, ten when I was a kid, you couldn't have said one quote from Martin Luther King Jr. And now. It's a calendar. <laughs> but this is the America. Well, again, I, I'm not saying this is everywhere in America because it's not. But I, I would suggest, though, that there is a, a, a fair, la, fairly large segment. I don't. It's not the, the majority, but it's it's a very significant segment of our population in this country that is is they want to roll back the way we live our lives to a time when it was more advantageous for them. That, that's what I think. I mean, I, absolutely, it's a power and control thing. And I did misspeak. The the Texas law does make an exception for the mother's health, but could you imagine trying to prove to a this court what, yes. or just to a doctor? Um, and and it penalizes. It actually it's it's really insidious in that it rewards people for turning in their neighbors. Right. And in the, and this is what I I said. They don't want to help people. They don't want to provide any kind of social you know safety net safety anything. net yeah. no. Pre-K care, no, no daycare. Right. They, they no, want to make your life as hard as humanly possible. As hard possible. as possible. They don't want any Unless you have money. No safety nets. Um, they don't, they're definitely not man, – no mandates for masks. You know, right. the governor doesn't. Thank God there's school uh, superintendents who are – and mayors willing to do it. Um, and, and so they – but the, you can't ask a kid to wear a mask, but you can – um, force Tell a woman, a raped she has to, woman, woman to, to have, have a, baby. a baby, a raped or incest. Imagine those are if someone's pregnant, they're most likely going to be children. Right. You are forcing a child to have a baby, but you don't want a child to wear a mask to save their lives or maybe their teacher's lives. I'll tell you what's going to what I am what I, worried about. There are going to be women who rather oh. than keep these kids, they're going to just give them up for adoption. And it's worse than that, it, Jason. It's, it's well, let, let's OK. I'm just saying yeah. those that go through with it. They are because we're going to, like I said, they're trying to turn the clock back. Right. Mm-hmm. But let's say these people are like I'm not going to keep a baby from incest. I'm not going to keep a baby from abortion. Now, uh, I mean, from rape. rape. These are also situations in which these kids not only will be unwanted, 
But many of them may have uh, neurological issues, particularly in the case of incest, because obviously you're not supposed to be doing that. Mm -hmm. And these are going to be troubled kids. We're going to make the system even more uh, 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 burdened because now you have to give them social services. This long term, this does not help our country in any way. It's even worse. Women who have money... Will fly somewhere else no, no, no. and I get an abortion. That. Right, right. Women who do white rich women will not be affected by this. Nope. But 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 poor everybody people, else. That's right. Anybody else of moderate to poor lifestyle. That's right. Will they will end up dead because they will go they to will some go to back find, alley find guy. One. That's right. Listen, this doesn't end abortion. Nope. You are not saving babies' lives. What you are doing is killing women, and you are probably killing babies but in again, a much more horrific way. They're killing women who who are they're the devil anyway. They're the sinners. Again, this is this is this is insidious in a way that is going back to what would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. He got nothing to do with this, and and I, I I know that the people who create these laws are trying to base it on some kind of biblical uh, you know ethos that this is how you should, you know life is precious. If life is precious, then it should be precious from the di- from conception to the grave. Yeah, but it's not. Not for not for these people, yeah, but and especially uh, let me tell you when one you get other, here, they don't even yeah. care about you. One other bad side effect of this law is that instead of the so normal abortion laws, the government is responsible for enforcing those laws, right? Um, in this case, the bill turns the reins over to private citizens. So which I, doesn't even make sense. So I, as a private citizen, can sue an abortion clinic in my neighborhood and essentially put them out of business, or I can sue a doctor. Well, they won't have or any abortion. I can sue clinics. a woman. So you can sue people to. To hold them accountable, which ties the hands. It's, and, and I heard this law professor saying how clever this law was, how well thought out it was, because the ACLU and Planned Parenthood, they can't sue. They don't have any legal sense. So you have to wait to be sued by somebody, and then you can defend yourself. So, so they can't even challenge this and take it, you know what I mean? Like ask for an emergency. This is, it's unreal. Evil geniuses. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to talk, we're going to switch topics again because there's so much to go on because the craziness in Af- Afghanistan is just beginning. And it's, it's, it's coming, it's going to impact us even more. Just it, yeah. us leaving, not solving the problem. Uh, she's Amy D. I'm Jason Lee. This is Voices of Reason. We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Uh, we're going to switch now to uh, Afghanistan and the the world of Mother Nature. Really, she's yeah. she's angry at us, and she's trying to tell us straighten your crap up. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're pulling out of Afghanistan. Well, we're done. We're so done. Last soldier left. Yeah. And we have There's- again when you when you break something in the uh, in the store, you're supposed to buy it. Mm-hmm. But in this world. We just say, no, nope, uh, clean up on aisle six. Well, what we know. did was pour a lot of money into it that benefited American defense contractors. Which is making them all rich. And then we left. And people are saying, they, we left these. Those uh, planes that, and helicopters that were left there, they don't belong to us. They were, belong to the Afghan government. So that's why they're Not there. Anymore, and, they don't. and then there were some that were disabled by the American soldiers. Right. But you really don't have the right to do that. You sold these you gave, you know, it was part of this deal, part of this rebuilding process. So it's a really complicated, it's more complicated than it looks on the surface. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I've been following some Afghani soldiers and government workers on Twitter. And I do think there are people who are 
going to stand up to the Taliban in Afghanistan. And they're trying to figure out what is going to be the best strategy and how to get help from I think everyone wants the Afghani people to be as free as possible and to have – If they did, they would have worked harder over the 20 years this has all been going on to make that happen. Who would have worked harder? The people who – you say that uh, people want to help. Those people that want to help, we've abandoned them again. No, but no. So – and I think this is the thing that's kind of complicated and Frank touched on it in our previous episode is that they're very tribal and they've never had a national identity. And and that's different – different than us and difficult. So our system doesn't naturally translate. But people don't want to be under the Taliban rule. And young people, as I pointed out, have had 20 years of Western civilization basically ruling. So I think there are those. But these are people who are, are involved and who were involved in the in the rebuilding process. Their, their president left the country with the money. Um, and it's how, not— How they don't find him— Get the money take back the money, and, yeah. and put him or in prison. Freeze it, I don't know. Have yeah. some bank somewhere. That's for, right. You know, it's not. He doesn't have it in cash. You know, so I don't understand all of that. But I do have some faith in these people, and I see ordinary people donating to ordinary Afghan causes. And I think this, this, that may be what how it happens in Afghanistan because it has to come from the ground up there because of the way their society works. It can't be us imposing something or somebody else imposing something. Um, I fear and I'm sad for the innocent people who will be who will lose their lives or who will lose freedoms. And um, it's going to be a painful um, transition to watch. Yeah, it really is. And but I do agree that the soldiers need to be out. We cannot occupy another country. Well, it it hasn't worked for any generation. I mean, we it never worked. History taught us that this was never going to work. Puerto Rico, what we did to Puerto Rico, like we Mm. occupied it. It's a U.S. territory. We still treated like crap, and we and we still failed them. Yes, they are U.S. citizens, and we still failed. They are U.S. citizens that we failed. So if this is how we treat U.S. citizens, then I don't know why we think we can go to some other country in Asia and and, and do any better. Like I, I think if you looked at our track record as colonizers, you would say, "Uh, no, thanks. We'll we'll handle this ourselves." I was watching uh, Black Panther recently, and uh, the the first. Part well, there's only one white person in the show. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate all the whites. I, I really don't. Uh, I would say that uh, the the lady, uh, one of the, the uh, what is it, um, T'Challa's sister calls it. He says she because they saved the one guy. He was a, a FBI or CIA guy, and she says you're you're. Uh, this is uh, Rwanda. I mean Rwanda. This is a Wakanda uh, colonizer, and I, I I laugh at that because you know as as a white person from America. Mm-hmm. Which, or just any of the uh, yeah. many European countries that that, that have done colonization <laughs> over the uh, centuries, you know they 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 still don't think of themselves as an occupying force. No, and they, they and, and, and John Oliver to, to hear yeah. to hear that come back at them and make them think about it for a second. You know, even mm-hmm. even today, if you ask Americans, uh, did have have uh, immigrants, white immigrants, made America better or worse? They still say it's better. Oh yeah, but it's better for them. Yeah. They, they they stole it in using violence, yet they find violence abhorrent and they make laws to, to uh, you know, govern it. Yeah. But we, we're still sitting on stolen land. Mm-hmm. We all are. Yeah. And, and even though I was brought here, you know, against my will, I'm still sitting on occupied land yeah. that I bought. Now yeah, yeah. and so I'm, and I'm buying into the whole system. In the, That's yeah, right. We all are. Yeah, we all, we all and you, are. And you don't have a choice. There's is, there's hypocrisy, is, but there is a choice. 
I don't know what it is, but there yeah. is a choice. But I mean, I guess if you there is a choice, not be part of society, right? right? You could go off. Yeah, you have to go. Yeah, yeah, and that would be awesome. But that's, or you could move on to one of the reservations. Not the life I made, so I have to. Yeah. I have to do my best in this situation. But I think also just as we were watching the exit of Afghanistan and the president deal with some questions, and I think there are a lot of questions for every president, every all four of the last administration, all four administrations that have overseen this. Just you know, disastrous, yeah. and the, and I I loved uh, this idea of some accountability. Look into it, and let's and just just not for like I need a pound of flesh, but for I want to understand what I what in the last twenty years I've read and seen. What of it is fiction, and what of it is fact, and how do I order that in my brain? I like, and that's why I like looking at historical, um, you know, pieces on wars and how mm-hmm. they came about. It's examining it. I think the soldiers are owed a true account of what happened and, you know, how people were lost and why. Not so much that we can say it's this guy's fault or that guy's, because I think they all hold responsibility. But I do want, I, I think it just the same thing of the January 6th commission, which in that case, I think there are people who are culpable and need to be held legally accountable. But I also want to know how, I want to understand how that happened. I want to know, because, I, I have some ideas. Yeah. But I want facts. I want to see the blueprint. I want to know. Just like you go back and look at all these war movies that you look back on World War II or um, how we got into the Korean conflict. And the everything leads – the more you understand it – I was saying this to someone the other day. Someone said, well, history is going to remember this. And I said, you know what? We don't even study history in this country. We, we study don't it. Even we just know. don't care about it. We don't know our own history. We didn't even know about Tulsa. Yeah. No, no. I would, that the, the majority still blows of people, my mind. I yes. agree. And so I say this: history is only going to remember what we ask ourselves to remember and what we talk about in our public lives. And so, you know, I've been talking to people about uh, in, in residential schools. People are like, "Yeah, I knew they existed, but they don't know anything about them." Even my native friends and family say, "I." Oh, yeah, so-and-so was in it or whatever. But they don't talk about it. They don't know about it. They don't know how how did it work. Why did they go there? What was the situation? Who was in charge of it? How did you, you know, was this? So there's a movie called Rabbit Proof Fence. It's amazing. I've seen it. It is a blueprint of what you just described. Yeah. but Except but, it was in Australia. But here's the thing. You can't know these things. You can't know history and not to, so you don't repeat it unless you actually study it. Yeah, but no, I, I don't even. First of all, we don't care about repeating it. Let's, yeah. let's, let's make that perfectly clear. We but, knew going into Afghanistan was a quagmire. It was never going to work. Russia didn't have any of the we'd uh, sensibilities. We studied Vietnam. We knew. All oh, right, and yeah. we went to Vietnam. No, we studied Vietnam. We have. But, we knew. So we I mean, knew I remember watching, it wasn't going to work, though. I remember watching. And we still did it. I remember watching a because people insanely agreed. clear picture of Vietnam, like how we got there, where the public was misled, where leaders were, where Congress was misled, um, and that. How, that documentary came out on the eve of the war in Afghanistan. And I'm still saying that people – first of all, all of this is about greed. Let's, let's, let's begin and end with that. It is to make people wealthy by being a defense contractor. And, and again, those are the only people who benefited out of this because if you are a soldier, you have uh, – you're going to have problems with PTS uh, and, you know, uh, knowing that this trauma happened, if you are a civilian – in Afghan- Afghanistan, these there are kids who grown up for the last 20 years here in drones. They are never going to sleep right again, and we're not going to help treat them. We also that the Halliburtons of the world could make a bunch of money, and and you know George Bush, Paul Wolfowitz, uh, Donald Rumsfeld, 
Dick Cheney, well, Rumsfeld's dead now, but uh, all of those folks, nothing, they'll never be held to account. They created one of the worst military de- uh, debacles in, in our history, and yet nothing, they will, they will never have to come but, to but account. But see, I don't, I don't care. Like, that's what I'm saying. I'm and not, I do care about that. Yeah, but I'm not saying I want, I don't think the world would hold them accountable. Let me just say that first. I disagree with you. I think that I think the world won't hold them accountable, but I think it's pretty freaking obvious. Yeah, but I but but so like I said, I in watching that documentary on on uh, Vietnam, I learned who the people were pushing what agendas. Right, I want to know that for Afghanistan, and I think, like I said, we all know bits and pieces because we've read the news and we followed stories, and there have been this bombshell and that bombshell. But what I want to know, I just barely read that there was a journalist, a black journalist, after the year after we dropped atomic uh, bombs in Japan, who wrote this incredible uh, piece on how it wasn't, we, it wasn't what we thought it was. All the lies I was told in my history class about it was to end the war and we gave them a whole bunch of chances and we told them, you know, it was not about, you know, it was not, and we knew that that journalist did that story one year later. And I didn't even know that existed we're until gonna, now, which is why I say we have to know history to even have a hope of not repeating it. And we don't know it. And when we, OK, well, this is again, we, we're raising more questions than answers. When we come back, uh, I want to take talk about uh, people who have uh, news fatigue and because uh, <laughs> I never because I never have it. OK, uh, I'm Jason Lee. She's Amy D. This is Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Amy D, back with the voice, Lava Project's Voices of Reason, and uh, Amy, what is the, uh, the 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 author of this book you were talking about? Well, the 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 journalist, the black journalist, uh, his name is William Lawrence. Uh, he was a New York Times reporter, and he became known as Atomic Bill. Uh, and there was an article in the New York Times uh, called "The Black Reporter Who Exposed a Lie About the Atom Bomb," and there's a book called Fallout. And uh, that's what I I heard this interview with the jur- with the journalist who wrote uh, it's Leslie M M Bloom. She wrote a book called Fallout, and she's talking about. I'm just coming halfway through this interview about this black journalist who exposed the military's lies about the atom bomb, and I was like, How do we not know this story? Because they purposely he printed it in the New York Times a year after. But again. Uh, we, we're watching how this kind of stuff happens, uh, and we'll use uh, Texas as an example because they are trying to rewrite history, right? They are trying to make it so that you forget it. They are trying to legally make it so that you forget it. They are trying to create an environment that they create a narrative, and most of the media doesn't question it. Well, and but it's not that, that they create a narrative. What they oh, do they did, is they, they they say that. We know that this happened, but we don't want you to remember it like that. We want to make it so that you can't say it in the book. We want to make it so you can't uh, say that I uh, have a dream speech. All of these things, which we already know have existed for mm-hmm. years, they're trying to uh, – going forward, people in – at least in, in their uh, environment in, in the Republic of Texas, they are going to uh, for, forget it. Mm-hmm. We, they're going to know less and less about it, thereby you know, going around the country, creating the same kind of – uh, forgetfulness and 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 just uh, el- erasing history in the way they don't like it, and and this again, it's insidious. It happens all the time, and we we uh, she, Amy just brought up a, a great example of it. Similarly, you know, it's 
This, but it's this. also, I think it is a narrative, though. I think I, it is a narrative. I, I think about it after like the it's Civil War. I didn't know that there were black senators and representatives elected oh, from Mississippi and Alabama and but those again, kind of places. I would suggest to you yeah. that if you'd have grown up in uh, a city like me, taught I think, by black honestly, teachers, I think you would have learned that. Maybe. But I had a black history teacher, Jason, but I didn't. No, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I had black history teachers all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. so, so it... Maybe I didn't learn it from one, but I learned it from another. But I think you were also getting it in your family history. Like your family yeah. knew about those things and talked about those things. And my family was learning a different history and, right. ca- and focused me on different things. But that's, that's, that's the and, move. Uh, and, and I remember th- – I mean I was one of those high school kids who thought the Civil War was over states' rights. Well, it was, but it was about owning slaves, right? Like it was, a, it was about slavery. And so I never learned that. Yeah. See, but, that, but that's what I'm saying. And I, I – I don't know. I I really just think that's why I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but yeah. I want to I want a very thorough examination and it, for accountability purposes of what and where right. in Afghanistan. So, they, so they're going forward, people will know what, yes, what happened. Yes, and there's that's, no that's, that's like, like it, maybe somebody won't discover that article for fifty years, but it's <laughs> but there. It's there but, for but, them to be but found. Atomic Bill's work is there for some woman to write a book about and teach us a better lesson and. Um, and and you, we talked a little bit about this when I first got here today about just this overwhelming feeling of um, there's so many problems, there's so many issues, you know, with the voting rights issues, with the infrastructure bill and not even understanding. I mean, I don't even understand the process they're going through to pass some of the laws. That are, and, and by the way, infrastructure, very important, because if you want to have roads, if you want to have uh, clean water, if you want to have it's everything. Uh, electricity, if you want to have all these, it's everything, bridges. Yeah. It's, we need to make sure those things to make sure they're safe. Mm-hmm. If you remember a few years back, they had a bridge collapse in um, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, killed a bunch of people. Yeah, but not only that, but the no, reason I mean, that, you're that's not, just one example the reason it. you're not seeing the horrific images like from Ida that you saw from Katrina right. was because, is because the levees held. Because yeah. they invested in infrastructure. Despite that, still thousands of people are no, totally impacted by yeah, this. And yeah, there's, and there's flooding in four states, and it's killed people. People have drowned in their apartments, right. you know, and in their cars and in subways. And so there's In the New York City subway, there's water. There's a lot of reason water. to care about infrastructure, yeah. which is why I'm trying to. But, like, I, I'm trying to pay attention to that. I'm, I'm watching these and reading these horrifically sad stories about these people who got caught in the flooding. Uh, I'm reading about... Um, uh, the earthquake in Haiti. I, I right. listened to an interview with some people who are trying to do, uh, you know, uh, humanitarian and, right. work there, and, and it, it just, I feel like, oh my god, California is on fire. In California has been Lake, on fire. Lake Tahoe might burn, and at this point, That's I'm right. like, that might be the least of the disasters we face. Okay, right? and so there are plenty of people who like to tune out from these kinds of things, and I've met these people, right? I know people yeah. who don't read the news because they say it's always bad. Okay, yeah. and part of what I want to talk about <laughs> is this: a I never get tired of that. You know why? Because everybody has something going on in their lives. And if you are fortunate enough not to be in New York, not to be in Louisiana, not to be near Lake Tahoe now about to lose your million-dollar house. Not, uh, to be, not to be fighting for your life somewhere. Not to be not digging to be your family right. out from under rubble. Not to be poor. Not, not to have to worry about stuff. Be able to drink How water How fortunate are you? You wake up every day, and if you, if you have to believe in faith, then you, you thank God every moment of your life. Mm-hmm. However— that doesn't – you should not be so selfish. This is Jason's opinion right here, right? Mm-hmm. That you want to say, I don't want to know about that. It makes me feel bad. Well, you know what? So what? Have compassion for your fellow man. I I know how fortunate I am. The rain does not fall on my head. Uh, a couple of months ago, I had a very, very serious financial situation. And I remember 
before things started to kind of, you know, improve, I was worried about my my life's future. And that, that is the way it was. I, I'm, I knew then how fortunate I had been up to until that point. I also knew that there could be some potential outs for me, but it, it could be worse before it got better. And again, good fortune for, on, on my part, it worked out for me. I don't feel like I can be so selfish that I, I am just going to ignore other people's suffering mm-hmm. or other people's misfortune because it's, sometimes it's nothing they did uh, to deserve this. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who just lost his wife last week. Mm-hmm. This is one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. His wife had dementia. She had a heart attack, died in his arms. Fifty-seven years together. I, I went to uh, you know uh, the viewing uh, just last night actually, because I wanted to show my friend support. I don't know any of his friends. They don't know me. I'm the only black person every that he probably even knows. All right, and so I stayed a few minutes and I, I went on about my business. But just as the same, I I know what it's like to lose somebody. I can't even imagine the grief he has. That's his partner for as long as he can remember. Yeah. Well, why would I want to uh, ignore that? Why would I want to not uh, have some sympathy, some compassion for him? Just because my life is better, or at least now it is, and, and, and I don't want to know about the bad stuff that's happening to other people. I find that to be offensive, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because we should care we should care more about other people's suffering so that we could do something about it so that we can give money to uh charities to 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 work do volunteer work to help people who don't are less fortunate than you you know why because you can mm-hmm. what so, is wrong with doing that so i understand that thought um i, th- I as i told as i told you before i think it's because you and i were raised by parents who were like when we would complain, they would say, well, you know what I had to deal with? My dad is one of 13 kids. They didn't have indoor plumbing for the first few years of his life. I got nothing to say. Yeah. So whenever Jason would complain, his dad would say, you want to know what I had to deal with? And my mom was dirt poor. And so whenever I would be like, I don't want this Walkman, she would be like, you know what I got? You know, I had one new toy my entire life. So, you know, I think we kind of have that kind of drilled into our brains. But I, I will say this. I feel that fatigue sometimes. And then I say to myself, what can I do? to help somebody so that I feel less helpless because the overwhelm you feel is from helplessness. It is reading about what's happening in Afghanistan and, and across the Eastern East coast and in the South and, and, and feeling, and in Texas, even even feeling like so much despair and so much sadness for the suffering that is happening far from you. But if you, and that makes you feel helpless. And I have learned that the power comes from action And so I look in my neighborhood because I feel like that if you are a believer in God, I believe God is in your, what you do in your life, right? If you believe in the devil, to me, Satan, I love C.S. Lewis's book, uh, The Screwtape Letters, where the devil's whole point, what he does to religious people is he tries to make them look far away. Don't look for the people you could serve at home. Look far from home. Look way away at all those other people. Keep your eyes up. Don't keep your eyes down in your neighborhood. So I look in my community, my neighborhood, and I do something. Uh, how? Who can I help? Volunteer. Um, how can I help? Yeah. Give some and money. so, and I, and I, and you know, I hate Twitter, but uh, but I was on Twitter one day, and uh, I wanted to read you this, and I can't find it um, now, of course. But basically, it said, "Stop doom scrolling, um, oh, and yeah. sit down and write down three things you're going to do." And I actually did this. I thought, okay, I'm going to do three things in my neighborhood tomorrow. Um, and I 
cannot tell you how much better I felt after that. So I think the cure to being overwhelmed and feeling like the world is falling apart and nothing's happening is not to get on Facebook and post, I'm tired, I need to take a social media break or whatever. I mean, you can do that. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying if you really want to feel better, you're feeling powerless, take your power back by doing something for somebody in your life right now. Join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at vormed at gmail.com or you can find me at vorjasonl at gmail.com. You can also look for us on Twitter uh, at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. Check out our Facebook page and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or any other place where you might find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, along with Amy Donaldson, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason and do your best to help your fellow man. They need your help today. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.